channel open. Welcome back to Weekly Trek, a proud member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network and presented in partnership with TrekCore.com. I am your host, Alex Perry. What's today's date? The date. Today's show was recorded on August 23rd, 2022, and is current through Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 1, so beware of spoilers. All right, let's get into the show. Good day, Voyager, and welcome to A Briefing with Neelix. Catchy title, isn't it? Trek is a regular news show covering the biggest stories from the Star Trek franchise. We are in a new golden age of Star Trek. There are five television shows in production, possibly more on the way, and enough merchandise to fill the Bajoran wormhole. So stick with me and I'll help you sort the real facts from lots of the Dominion propaganda that you'll find online. But I can't do this alone. And my guest this week is returning guest, co-host of the Snapchat podcast, Trekcore's own, and my Trekonderoga travel buddy, it's Jen Tift. Jen, welcome back to Weekly Trek. Hey, Alex. Great to be here. All right, Jen. Well, you know the drill. I want to know something that's got you feeling good about Star Trek at the moment. What's got you moving at Warp 10? Uh, you spoiled it a little bit. I was going to talk about Trekonderoga. All right, go for it. It was a great weekend. Yep. I had never been to the set tour before, and it was incredible. You had a good time? Yeah. I mean, I knew what to expect with the set tour, and I've seen pictures of it. But once you actually get there, it's I wasn't prepared. <laughs> it was yeah. amazing. I, I was doing okay until I got to the warp core, and then all of a sudden, I walked into engineering, and engineering was real, and the warp core was real, and that, that's when I lost it. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, there really is nothing like experiencing that warp core for the first time. Yeah. Oh, it was incredible. That was even better than the bridge to me. <laughs> it was so much It's so good. No, this was my third time going. And obviously you were there. It was your first time. A couple of our other friends, it was their first time seeing it too. And I mean, I was as giddy as a school kid seeing it for the third time as I was seeing it the first time. I mean, there really is nothing else quite like having that kind of experience, you know, and sharing it with people that, you know, you think are very special who, you know, are experiencing it for the first time themselves and, you know, having that opportunity to get up close and personal with the various different sets of the Enterprise, right? The warp core, the corridors, the transporter room, sick bay. I mean, it's just, it really is this truly immersive piece. And obviously we'll be talking about the next generation set pieces that they showed off right. a little bit later because that's one of our stories today. But yeah, I mean, I can't get enough of that place. It really is. It really yeah. is truly magical. Yeah, highly recommend it. <laughs> Okay, so obviously we'll we'll set the engineering aside because I saw your reaction walking into engineering and I don't want to embarrass you on air, but um what what would you say I, was I didn't cry, you can't prove that I cried. <laughs> oh, there were there were many witnesses, Jen. <laughs> aside from engineering, what was your favorite part of the set tour? Aside from engineering? Aside from I engineering. I mean, I'm still gonna give you more engineering stuff. I mean there the, the Jeffries to this the uh, diagonal Jeffries tube which yep. was amazing. Okay, but if I'm not doing engineering stuff, honestly, this is sounds silly if you haven't been there, but being in the corridor, I was, told you, yeah, it, it's it's insane. I mean, that that's the most immersive part is like you are literally walking down the hall of the Enterprise, and it, it's it's a little it's it, it's jarring and it's it's oh. It's incredible. I can't describe it. Like I, I, I laughed when people say like the corridor is one of the best parts, but it really, it truly is. I seem to recall telling you the explain. corridor was the you best did. part right before you we did. went in there, and you looked at me like, "Are you fucking serious right <laughs> now?" 
This is one of the, the unfortunate part of the evening where I have to admit that Alexander T. Perry was right. <laughs> yes, it was all worth it. <laughs> Thank you, I'm Jen. Like quarter, Thank you to okay. all of my listeners. Live long and prosper. Bye. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, but the whole thing. It's incredible. I wanted to eat the gumdrop buttons. <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't because we would have been thrown out. <laughs> I didn't touch anything I wasn't supposed to. All right, let me tell you the thing I'm feeling good about Star Trek this week, which is obviously I feel really good about just having gone to Treconderoga. It was a fabulous weekend with fabulous friends filled with magical experiences of all different sorts. But Star Trek Las Vegas, the former Star Trek Las Vegas, aka now called the 56-year mission, I guess next year it'll be the 57-year mission and the year after that will be the 58-year mission, is in Las Vegas, Nevada. Tomorrow, I'm recording this Tuesday, even though this will come out probably after the convention has taken place, but I don't know what happened, but hey, since Paramount's not there, it means that there's probably not going to be much by way of news, but it still will be a fun time to spend with a completely different group of friends than the ones who were in Ticonderoga and have a different set of magical experiences with those friends. So yeah, it's always a fun time. This will be my this will be my latest STLV since I, my first one was 2011. I've been every other year. And it's at Bally's this year, not at the Rio because of the renovations that seem, I guess, not to be happening at the Rio, but for some reason they're not at the Rio this year they say they're going back next year and people have already started sending pictures of you know the different setup and 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 the way the like ballrooms look and so it's starting to feel very real and uh, i am looking forward to getting out there tomorrow so that's what i'm feeling good about star trek this week it's a lot of traveling it is a lot of traveling yeah 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 ticonderoga new york is further away than one might expect <laughs> it is it is in the middle of nowhere but it's it's yeah. worth it gorgeous scenery up there all right with that Let's turn to the week's top stories. There's a war going on, and I'm a reporter. Well, for the third year running, Paramount Global is set to celebrate Star Trek Day on September 8th with a live stream event celebrating the Star Trek franchise and likely featuring new news and reveals about many of the shows that are currently in production. Hosted this year by pod directive hosts and Star Trek Lower Decks actors Tony Newsom and Paul F. Tompkins, Star Trek Day will be live streamed from the Skirball Center in Los Angeles worldwide on Thursday, September 8th, beginning at 3 p.m. Eastern, that's 12 p.m. Pacific, or 8 p.m. if you're in the UK. The red carpet will be hosted by Star Trek Discovery actor Mary Chifo and RuPaul's Drag Race superstar and huge Star Trek fan Jackie Cox. This year's Star Trek Day event will feature back-to-back in-person conversations with cast members from the Star Trek universe, along with exciting announcements and reveals throughout, and is set to include a, quote, few surprises yet to be revealed. This includes panels on Star Trek Picard, Star Trek Prodigy, Star Trek Lower Decks, and Star Trek Strange New Worlds, with Wilson Cruz leading a virtual tour of the Star Trek Discovery sets as Season 5 filming continues in Toronto, Canada. The event is also set to feature a tribute to the recently departed Nichelle Nichols, a cosplay contest, and will feature music from Reggie Watt from The Late Late Show with James Corden. Jen, what do you think you're most looking forward to about Star Trek Day this year? Well, I mean, I'm always interested to hear uh, Tawny Newsom and Paula Tompkins. I enjoy their podcast and they're great fun. So I think the whole vibe of Star Trek Day is, is going to be a great vibe. I'm looking forward to uh, our red carpet hosts this year. Yep. That is, that's one place they had some room for improvement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it sure. sounds it sounds like it's going to be great this year with, with who they have uh, hosting those segments. Uh, I'm excited to see you know if there's any any big announcements. Of course, 
Um, I'm looking forward to see. We have, we have Reggie Watts. I'm looking forward to see if there's any uh, Reggie's questions, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, are, which are always fun, you know, just his, his random questions. Uh, maybe he'll get a chance to ask some Reggie's questions, uh, which would be fun. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. It's going to be fun. I love that they do this. Uh, yeah, me too. I mean, you know, it's great. And I'm super looking forward to this as always. And it's funny. And, you know, I think they really did take on board a bunch of the feedback from last year's event, right? couple of things that people said about last year's event. A, it was in the evening US time, which made it an extremely unfriendly time for European fans because it started at like seven o'clock in the evening, which meant that it was after midnight in the UK and after 1am in uh, Western Europe. But now they're doing it at 3 p.m. Eastern, which is going to be 8 p.m. UK time, 9 p.m. Western European time. So much more kind of international fan friendly from a timing perspective. Yet, as you say, the red carpet hosts last year were dreadful. They got, they pronounced (laughs) all the names of all the actors wrong. They clearly didn't know what they were talking about. And like... I said it more polite than dreadful. (laughs) Yes. But okay. Um, Yes. (laughs) Yes, yes, you were right, Jen. I knew what you meant, and I I said what you meant, what you were thinking. And so, yeah, terrific. They've got Mary Chifo, obviously, who's Laurel on Star Trek Discovery, and then Jackie Cox, who obviously has now sort of cemented herself as a little bit of a bigger name in the Star Trek fan community since she did a show at Mission Chicago and then uh, has done a couple of things with Star Trek.com in the interim. So, yeah, that's going to be great. And who knows what kind of announcements and reveals we'll get. I'm presuming probably... Prodigy trailer seems pretty likely to me since we'll be a month out from when hopefully the back half of season one will premiere. Maybe initial teaser trailer for Discovery season five. Maybe initial teaser trailer for Strange New World season two. Maybe another, maybe a proper like episode footage trailer for Picard season three. Because that one, you know, will be only a couple of months away at that point. So I say a couple of months away at that point. It's two weeks away, Star Trek Day. It's not like three (laughs) months from now. So yeah, I think this is going to be, hey, it was fun last year. It was fun the year before. And I think it's going to be fun again this year too. Star Trek Lower Deck star and Brad Boimler voice actor Jack Quaid did an interview with Entertainment Weekly this past week to promote the return of Star Trek Lower Decks later this week and use the opportunity to talk a little about his recent experience of filming the Star Trek Lower Decks crossover with Strange New Worlds that's expected to happen in Strange New Worlds Season 2. It was great. That cast was awesome, Quaid said. Ethan Peck and I have a bromance for the ages. We call it Spoimler, Spock and Boimler. It's amazing, but that whole cast is so friendly and welcoming and cool. We just had a ball and we got to be directed by Jonathan Frakes, so what could be better? Quaid also confirmed that we will be seeing a live-action Brad Boimler in the Strange Worlds episode. Boimler holds such a special place in my heart, Quaid said. He's one of my favorite characters I've ever played, but to be able to fully inhabit him, put on the uniform, make my hair purple, all that stuff, that was such a good time. And about wearing a Starfleet uniform for the first time, Quaid said, quote, I figured it would be sweaty because I tend to sweat a lot, but my God, that thing is not breathable. It looked really good, but there were those first few fittings where I had the purple hair, I had the uniform on, it just blew my mind. The coolest part was where I was able to study the show and look at how the artist animated Boimler and how he moved, and I was able to put a little bit of that in there. He also teased the expected appearance of Deep Space Nine in the upcoming third season of Lower Deck, saying, quote, we actually get to see the station. We get to walk the promenade and you get to see some familiar faces. Jen, what was your reaction to learning that we're definitely getting live action Boimler in Strange New World season two? Spoimler! Boimler! <laughs> 
I'm dying. I I literally, that's what I have written down. Just Spoimler with little hearts on my paper. I'm obsessed with Spoimler. No, but what a what a great oh what a great announcement. I mean, so now we know we're we're getting live action Jack Quaid and Tawny Newsome. We're getting yeah. purple hair, yeah. Jack Quaid. We're getting directed by Jonathan Frakes, Boimler and Mariner in Strange New Worlds. That's insane. It's literally keeping me alive. Like, like <laughs> I can't, I can't die before this episode comes out, you know, <laughs> like it's literally <laughs> keeping me alive. Oh, I, I'm excited. It's, it's going to be, I think it's going to be special. It's going to be hilarious. And I'm so glad that it would, that was what I wanted. It, you know, when we heard there was yeah. a crossover and weren't sure exactly what form was going to take, this is what I was hoping for. So um, I'm super excited and, and teasing spoiler is just, <laughs> adding a dimension i hadn't even considered yet so yeah my my excitement for this one is through the roof now i think yeah. you know when they first announced it i was like oh yeah go weird do who framed roger right, rabbit style right. and like have animated boimler and, and mariner interacting with live action pike and spark but now the more i think about it the more i'm just like totally on board with like getting the lower decks characters in live action just to see those yeah. two and how they interact with each other and what they look like and just like being in that live action universe with those two characters i just think that's going to be so much fun i can't wait um and i think they're just going to have like the best possible time doing it you know it just sat so far obviously folks have not talked much about these episodes but every time they have it's always been in this sort of sense of like we just had the best time doing right. it and i just i i just feel like that's probably going to end up being what shows up on screen that you know For it's sure. it's obvious everybody had a good time jonathan yeah. frakes directed <laughs> i wonder who the writer was partially Ooh. i would be shocked if it ended up being mr mike mcmahon himself that would be fun oh, obviously be they've excellent. not said anything about that but like who That'd better be to pull off the lower decks characters than mike mcmahon himself and he's done live action star trek in the escape artist oh, so that's that's my new wish yeah, <laughs> so the end I, of the show. <laughs> so I just think it'd be really cool if they did that. So really cool. yeah, so yeah, I'm really excited about this one. Yes, and I just I I want it now. I want to see it now. <laughs> I want to see live action Boimler and Mariner oh interact. I want to see Spoimler. Right? We all want yes, to. See, we, we want Spoimler. We want Spoimler. Can't get enough spoiler. No. But, and it's funny too, because he, he talks in the article about how he tried to make sure that he was moving the way that Boimler moves in the cartoon and things yeah, like, like that. So he's yeah, <laughs> doing little Boimler actions. And he just looks, oh, he did like. Tawny Newsom and, and Jack Quaid, they can pull off their characters so well. I, I cannot wait. It's going yeah. to be a special one. Yeah. It's going to be special. Yeah. And obviously we've got season three of Lower Decks coming up, which neither yes. you and I can really talk about because we might have seen a number of episodes so far this season. <laughs> so we won't dwell upon it because we don't want to spoil anything for anybody. Yes. But um, yeah, there's it feels to me like there's a lot of fun stuff coming up for people to look forward to. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> And then from there, we're on to season four. But before we do that, we got 10 episodes of season three to look forward to, yes. which is a lot of fun. Yeah, no spoilers, but it's it's excellent. There's a lot, a lot of fun coming up. All right, well, let's return back to Ticonderoga and Trekonderoga. 
by talking about how this past weekend at the Trek Onderoga convention at the Star Trek the original series set tour in Ticonderoga, New York, set tour owner James Corley unveiled the first pieces of the planned sets for Star Trek The Next Generation that the tour announced it would begin building in an adjacent building a couple of years ago. At Trek Onderoga, Corley debuted the holodeck arch, the helm and ops consoles from the Enterprise D bridge, and the complete set of aft consoles from the back of the bridge. Corley said they're on track to open the bridge of the Enterprise-D to visitors in time for Trek Under Ogre 2023, so that's next year's Trek Under Ogre, and that additional next-generation sets will follow in the two-story building as space, budget, and time allows. An Enterprise-D corridor and the two-story main engineering set are high on the target list for Corley's vision for creating next-generation sets of exacting detail to rival the original series ones in the main locations. Jen, we've obviously talked about the original series part of the... Uh, original series set tour sets, uh, but those few next generation pieces we had the opportunity to see, what kind of feelings did that inspire within you? Oh yeah. I gasped when I saw them. It, it, it was incredible. And and just the, the way they, the way they, uh, they have it, it's not static. It's, it's dynamic and the, it's the graphics are, are on a, a video loop and it looks like it's a working piece in a working control room. It's, it, it's amazing. It looks so good. Yeah, those those aft consoles, we we had the opportunity to slip back behind the uh, one of the sets where they had kind of set them up, and the next right. day they were going to start letting people for, on the regular tours through to start seeing them. And like you walk into this little dark room, and then you've got those that full panel mm-hmm. of computers, like you know, fully lit up with the blue yeah. and the yellow L cars, and just like your classic nom nom nom, you know, like next generation <laughs> color scheme. And then you start working your way down, right? So you've got engineering on the right, your favorite, of course. Yeah, we'll yes. acknowledge that. And then you know, <laughs> mission ops and science one and science two and environmental and and Corley's been working with the Akudas on putting these together, and they did all the panels and you know, did them just like the original Next Generation, even recreating. So they're all LEDs, obviously, at this point, because we're in 2022. But Mike Okuda built in little variations in the lighting so that it looks like there's still incandescent lighting strips behind the panel to really kind of, you know, to give you everything in terms of an exacting recreation of those Next Generation sets. (laughs) Yeah, so authentic. And then... All of the, you know, as you say, right, like they're not just static pieces. They're extremely dynamic in that they've set up little, you know, the little video screens within those art consoles play their way through some of those famous graphic sequences from episodes, right? Looking through the hydrogen atom in Night Terrors, which our friend Clear Little went nuts over. <laughs> the tachyon detection grid from Redemption Part 2. The crystalline entity. The shuttle half kind of crashed into the side of a mountain in Skin of Evil, right? Like just cycling through all these famous episodes on all these screens in the right places for where you know they they right. showed up in the episodes of the episodes they showed up in it was just it was just so it was so great and so fun and i can't i had the opportunity to go to star trek the experience so like obviously i've walked onto the bridge of an enterprise which was a truly religious experience but i can't <laughs> wait to onto this one because of the way in which i think it's just going to be a really really exacting replica of being 
you know, on the set of The Next Generation, 1987 to 1994. And uh, yeah, really hoping that by Trekonderoga next year, it's ready. So I'm definitely making a trip up there and having a very good time when I'm up there. Yeah, because... For, for me too, just TNG is, that's my era. So that's going to hit me even harder than a recreation of the TOS set. A recreation of the TNG uh, set's going to, going to hit me even harder. And I'm looking forward to it. And just the thought of, of that engineering set, you know, coming oh, down yes. the bike. <laughs> if, I, if I cried in... Uh... <laughs> At the original series one, I don't know what I'm going to do when I see that. <laughs> when I see the TNG. You see that warp core. pulsing lights at the warp core and that just, you know, <laughs> that solid like thrum of right. it really, oh, really revving. Dude, this is the sounds. Yeah. 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 Definitely worth another trip up there. I mean, worth many, many more trips up there, especially if they are opening a new next generation set every year, which would be really fun. Yep. You got the bridge the first year, corridor the next year, engineering the year after, plenty of reasons to ultimately go back again and have a good time. And lastly this week, it appears that Simon and Schuster are preparing to publish their first two Star Trek Prodigy novels in early 2023. Listings for two Prodigy novels have begun appearing across the internet, and the authors of the respective books have confirmed that, yes, they are real. First up, Star Trek Prodigy Supernova will be a middle-grade novel scheduled for late January 2023 that ties directly into the forthcoming Star Trek Prodigy video game of the same name, which is expected to release this fall. Supernova will be written by longtime Star Trek author Rob Perlman in his first work of long form fiction for the franchise. The synopsis for the book reads, quote, When the protostar crash lands in a peculiar star system, the crew ends up separated, and Dal and Gwyn must work together to find their missing crewmates. They don't have much time, though. The nearby star is destabilized and in danger of creating a supernova. Then Dal and Gwyn discover evil droids patrolling the area, and they look just like the Watchers back in Tars Lamora. How will Dal and Gwyn confront this nightmare from their past? and prevent an explosion in their near future. And at the same time, Star Trek Prodigy, A Dangerous Trade by Cassandra Rose Clark will also be released. Rose Clark previously wrote a Star Trek Next Generation book for adults last year entitled Shazos Have Offended. The synopsis for A Dangerous Trade reads, quote, while traveling through the Delta Quadrant, Protostar crew discovers a worn transporter coil on their ship. Despite Janeway's misgivings, the crew decides to trade a Starfleet issue battery for new transporter parts at a market on a distant planet. Little do they know that a group of rogue traders are intent on getting their hands on something much bigger. The Protostar. Will the crew be able to defend their ship and stay out of trouble? Star Trek fans will love this brand new original story featuring all the heart, humor, and action of the Prodigy series. Both books will be available in hardcover, paperback, and ebook and are currently scheduled for release on January 23rd, 2023, though that date may just be a placeholder. Jen, are you looking forward to the first two Star Trek Prodigy novels? Yeah, oh, for sure. When that very first promo photo of the crew came out, before we knew anything about them, that's all we had was that one picture of the whole crew. The very first thing my kids said to me was, are, are there any books about these guys? <laughs> you know, that that's what they like to do. They like to tie in what they watch with what they read. Um, so they've been chomping at my the My kids, me too. Yeah, well, <laughs> me too, yes. But, <laughs> but my kids, the target audience of these yeah. books, <laughs> have been chomping at the bit for that. They're, they call them middle grade adventures, which actually could be a, a, a wide range, age range. So I'm not sure exactly what reading level it's going to be on. Yeah. It might, you know, might, might be more towards my my youngest kid than my two older ones, but it doesn't matter, especially uh, Supernova is going to be based on the video game. The video game's coming out in October. So by the time January rolls around and this book comes out, they'll be deep into the game. They'll have beaten the video game and, yeah. and they will eat that book up. They, they yeah. love that kind of, they love tying in 
like I said, the TV shows, but also the video games, they'll tie in and everything with what they read. So they, they're they definitely going to eat that one up. And uh, the other one too, sounds like an interesting story. So we'll see, you know, what reading level that's at for them, but I, I'm very excited. Um, it's interesting to me too, that there's a hardcover and paperback available right away, which is nice because normally my kids get into book series and then, you know, and they have to have it the day it comes out and then you, then you pay, you know, this absorbent amount for a hardcover, you know, and paperback doesn't come out for another six months and they can't wait, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's nice to have uh, the option for either one too there, but yeah, it's about time. I'm excited. I hope this means there's, there'll be more coming down the pike. There's so many things they can do with Prodigy in the book department. I mean, we should be, we should be seeing graphic novels, yeah. you know, um, yeah. even just like not even original stories just based on the episodes you make a graphic novel out of that the the kids love them you know that's a story they already know and they just want to read it over and over again yeah my youngest especially really loves that um you know i want we i want tech i want tech manuals sure (laughs) you know but also want like series guidebooks and things like that like my kids will eat all that up so hopefully they hopefully this is starting this is the start of opening the floodgates for more tie-in books with Prodigy. It feels like it from a tie-in merchandise perspective, right? I mean, if we look, obviously, if we look back at the last six months since Prodigy's season 1A ended, there's not been much. But like when you look forward for the next six months, we have the first wave of Playmates action figures coming yes. this fall. So just in the next couple of months, I already have a set of those on pre-order we have the video game or supernova the video game coming in october we have these first two books coming early next year i'm not going to say january because i think january 23rd is a placeholder but like coming early next year and the star trek shop started to put some you know prodigy merchandise in place so it just it feels like it's just kind of starting to get going the kind of promises they made back in when the show debuted late last year where it's like, hey, we've got this big thing for kids and we're really trying to lean into it. And you can imagine all this sort of stuff we're going to do. And then it was like, okay, where's the stuff? And like, okay, where's the stuff? We love the show. Kids want the stuff. And like now it's finally starting to roll out a little bit, which is nice. And as you say, hopefully it really is the floodgate starting to open of a more consistent release pattern for Prodigy merchandise and material, which since they have 30 episodes left still to show just of what we know has been announced and produced so far you know they've got a lot of runway left for you know continuing to have this kind of output with new prodigy on the way to then kind of supplement it too so yeah i'm really excited for these books that you know star trek has not done non-adult fiction in forever and they've never done very much of it the starfleet academy books that came out around the time of the kelvin timeline which was like kirk and uh, McCoy at the Academy and then the original Starfleet Academy book, the pocketbooks sort of era in the 1990s. Yeah, Worf's first adventure (laughs) and like, you know, it was sort of all that it was a lot of the TNG crew like at the Academy. And then there was a series after that, Deep Space Nine one, which was about Jacob Nog that ran for like 10, 13 books, something like that. And that's really it, right? Like, you know, so it's cool that they are now doing more of that with Prodigy and that and that we have more of that to look forward to. And Rob Perlman's great. He's written some great fun kind of, you know, non-fictiony books for Star Trek and a little bit of fiction. He just did The Girl Who Made the Stars, a prose version. And I think it's got like... There are illustrations in the book, yeah. too. I, I just got it in last week. And then Cassandra Clark wrote a very fun Next Generation novel, which, you know, I enjoyed quite a bit last year. So, and that's the one thing that makes me think, you know, to that question about what reading level will the books be pitched to? I, I actually wonder if they're 
maybe yeah, they're both this is middle grade novels, but I wouldn't be surprised if the supernova book pitches younger and the dangerous trade book pitches a bit older, given Cassandra's Clark has written adult Star Trek novels. And I don't know, that doesn't feel oh, it doesn't nice. feel, it doesn't feel like you switch back and forth between writing like true middle grade books. Yeah. And adult fiction. I think you could probably go back and forth between more young adult fiction and kind of adult fiction. But anyway, I guess we'll we'll find out when we get the books in our hands. Yeah. Yeah. Usually when they say middle grades, that usually means like a third to seventh grade. Yeah. Right. Range. But yeah, that could skew a little younger, a little older. And that, yeah. that would be nice. Yeah. And it's just nice to have some Star Trek book announcements again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we've talked about the facts. And now let's speculate on what's going to happen in the future of Star Trek. You make some very good points, Captain. But it's still all speculation and theory. So each week, my guest and I give you a wish or theory about any of the shows or the future of the franchise. So, Jen, let's hear your theory or wish for this week. Oh, I'm just going real silly this week. Do it. Well, I'm, I I'm love so, silly. I'm, I still, you, my remember I said my wish was going to be the Mike McMahon writing. The yes. So, so that's, that's definitely a new wish that I have yep. just based off yep. what you just Check. said. Earlier. Yeah. Uh, no, but I'm just going silly here. So, you know, we are doing silly things. We're doing this strange, strange worlds, lower decks crossover, you know, yep. we're doing, they're really opening things up. And we, you know, we always talk about there being a musical episode at some point and speculation because, you know, we have Broadway people in discovery and you know yep. I mean? and then stranger worlds is doing weird things and then you know lower decks we you know noel wells is a singer and tawny newsome and, and there's some so many so many things you could do with that and and my wish is that they go that route for prodigy prodigy we have brett brett gray is, yeah. is an amazing singer and and i think i think they should take advantage of that i think mike i think that's something my kids would enjoy if, if they did music and prodigy i think they would listen to that over and over and over again i think that'd be really i think that'd be really fun i think that'd be a really fun way to showcase um some you know some singing in star trek i think they should I think they should do go really silly and do different things in in yeah. Prodigy because that that's what you know do musical episode not like a full musical but to like have them sing yeah. have do a holiday episode <laughs> you know what I mean do, you know you could do all the all these these silly things that you don't get to see too much in in Star Trek do it in Prodigy is probably a good place to put it because um, I know my my kids are 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 up for anything with the, to go anywhere with that yeah. prodigy crew already, you know? And I think they, I think the more, I think it's nice that they have, they have a legit serious storyline, meaningful and, you know, but I think that there's also so much room for fun. And, and I think I want to see Dal sing. That's my wish to see Dal sing, <laughs> to hear Dal sing, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love that theory. I mean, anybody who's, who says that singing, doesn't work in Star Trek or shouldn't work in Star Trek has clearly never seen the original series, right? <laughs> in which, like, by episode three, you had full-on singing taking place right. from various different characters. One of your favorite scenes in the whole <laughs> franchise comes fairly early One in... One more time. <laughs> yep, yeah. Wow, yeah. oh, that's so fun. You know, Uhura obviously is a great singing voice. Right. The Way to Eden's full of songs, right? Like, that <laughs> episode right. is full of songs. <laughs> 
And yeah, granted, it's not the greatest episode of all time, but does the singing feel particularly out of place for Star Trek in The Way to Eden? No, if you don't like The Way to Eden, it's because yeah. it's not a great episode, not because there's a ton of singing in it. And so why not bring back a little bit of singing in Star Trek, right? And and Prodigy, sat, you know, I agree with you. I think that is a great place to do some of that stuff and, you know, have it be fun and vibrant and something that's going to, you know, that kids are going to respond to in a really cool way and allows them to do something a little bit different. And yeah, you know, if the if the actors have the talents, by all means, use them. And I've also kind of, you know, I've also sort of felt that. I mean, I'm perfectly comfortable with Discovery doing a musical episode if they want to, or any of the shows doing a musical episode. Okay. Why not? Nearly 900 episodes of Star Trek. What's one musical episode going <laughs> to do to anybody's precious canon? Um, if you don't like it, don't watch it again, right? You know, and they've still got 899 episodes of Star Trek to enjoy. So yeah, I'm fully on board with that. As you know, bring on the singing, especially in Prodigy, but any of the other shows too. I'm not precious about it. I think you know, it's it has been a part of Star Trek's DNA since 1966, and there's. And it's just been away for a while. There's no reason not to bring it back. Yeah, I think I'm also just still bitter that they had Scott Bakula as their lead (laughs) and and he didn't sing once, not once. Yeah. (laughs) I'm still bitter. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think I I think I just I just want them to do silly things like that. Like that's why this crossover makes me so happy because I love Star Trek. I love when it when it's meaningful, you know, when it's purposeful and, and, and serious and, and, and all that I do like, that's why I love it. But I also, I want that, but I also need right now in the year 2022 to have some frivolity in our lives and, you know, and what better forum than, than Star Trek, which should be a little bit of everything. Yeah, and it, sure. Star Trek is a little bit of everything. And yeah. yeah, let's play up on that, on the silly factor for a little bit. That's just what I, <laughs> that's, that's what I need right now. <laughs> I need more Spoimler in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I knew it was going to come back to Spoimler and here we are. It has to. <laughs> All right. What's, let, let's hear your wish or theory. Okay, I, I tested this theory on you guys in in Ticonderoga, and you seem to ah, like yes. respond to it fairly well. So okay, I'll, I'm, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the rest of the the listening audience with it, which is there's obviously been this big question about Star Trek Discovery season five. What will the status of Mary Wiseman be on the show? Right, obviously we had season four of Discovery in the fifth episode of the season. Tilly left the Discovery to take a job at Starfleet Academy and was basically absent from the rest of the season until the season finale when she came back and helped Admiral Vance save Earth from the DNA. And so, you know, it was not a departure for the character entirely in that she popped back up again, but it was definitely a significant downgrade for the character's status on the show. Mary Wiseman's name fell out of the opening credits. It was clear that for season four, past episode five, she was a special guest star character, not a member of the main cast. And so, and whatever her reasons for that are her own, you know, like she's, and she's welcome to have them or the show's welcome to have them. Whoever made that decision about season four, good on them, Godspeed to them. But there is this interesting question about season five, right? I mean, you know, she showed up in the season finale. What's her status on the show? And it is something that Paramount has been a little bit tight-lipped about and various members of the production have been tight-lipped about, right? They have indicated that Tilly has a role in season five, but they've not kind of indicated how big or how small that role is. 
I have a theory, which is that Tilly will have a much larger presence in season five than she had in season four. I don't know if my theory extends to she's back in the main cast for all 10 episodes, but just based off of my internet sleuthing, I have, because I'm a weirdo like that, I have a very strong (laughs) suspicion that she is in multiple episodes, and I'll tell you why. So I have two big points of evidence for it. So they're filming season five right now. They started filming about two months ago. I think they'll probably run through the next two months to do the 10 episodes of season five. And uh, twice in the space of about four or five weeks, Emily Coots, who plays Detmer, I was either on her Instagram or Instagram stories, posted a selfie with Mary Wiseman. Now, we know Emily Coots is in Toronto filming for Discovery, which means that Mary Wiseman was also in Toronto filming for who knows what, but presumably filming for Discovery if the two of them are hanging out together. And that's a long enough period of time between those images, and they were clearly in different places at different times, that that says to me... Mary Wiseman, if she's been there for several weeks, is in more than one episode because it takes about 10 days to film an episode. You know, if it was in a 10-day period, you could say, all right, that's the same episode. But if it's outside of a 10-day period, perhaps it is multiple episodes. The second sort of data point on my theory is that Mary Wiseman was announced as a guest for the 56-year mission, which is taking place in Las Vegas, Nevada, tomorrow through Sunday, and she cancelled. She's one of the guests that cancelled and pulled out of the convention. And who else is among the cancellees? Well, there's certainly people like John Delancey who cancelled for COVID, which a little concerning since he was just in Trek Ronda with us like three days ago, but like I didn't mm. have any interaction with Mr. Delancey himself. Zachary Quinto cancelled, which is terrific because I paid the 125 dollars for his photo art which i now have to go and redeem the value of for somebody else and a lot of the discovery actors also canceled blue del barrio just canceled today some of the the secondary characters like ronnie Rowe canceled sarah mitich canceled patrick Quok Chun is still coming, but he's changed his day of appearance. And Equal Martin Green is still coming, but she's changed her day of appearance. Actually, Rap Doug Jones is still coming. So there's clearly been like when Paramount was licensing creation to be the official convention, they would make a special effort to get the Discovery actors from Toronto to Las Vegas for the convention. Now it's not an official convention. They're not doing that anymore. You know, if I'm sure it's if the act does not have filming around the convention, they can travel. If they do have filming, then they've got to do the filming. They can't travel. And that's a long way to get from Toronto to Las Vegas. And so Mary Wiseman being one of those two tells me that in addition to her being in Toronto filming and is behaving very similarly to a number of the Discovery kind of actors, Maybe she's back as a regular Discovery actor again. Again, I don't know how many episodes, but my very strong suspicion is that it's more than two or three at this point. And there's only 10 episodes in the season. So that's my theory. I think we're going to get more Mary Wiseman in season five relative to the length of the season than we got in season four. What do you think about that? Well, I hope you're right. <laughs> Tilly's amazing. Yeah, no, it it makes sense too, because I, I think they, especially seeing what you did in the in the finale, I mean, they're obviously not planning on dropping the whole Starfleet Academy thing. You know, uh, I could see that being a bigger deal in the next season. And and based on your uh, your evidence, quote unquote evidence, <laughs> it's internet sleuthing. Your internet sleuthing. It does quote unquote evidence. What does that mean? <laughs> quote unquote evidence. Goodness sake, rock solid. 
rock solid. No. Yeah. I mean, she's in Toronto for a reason, right? And yeah, and she's in for that long. That's yeah, that's good news for for all of us. She's great. Watch after this is going to be announced as the star on the remake of Criminal Minds and they're doing it in <laughs> Toronto. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully she's with us in Discovery. But yeah, I can see it happening. Do you have a theory or a wish for Discovery, Picard, Strange Worlds, Lower Decks, or Prodigy that you'd like to share? Tweet them to me at Weekly Trek or email them to me at Weekly Trek at thetricordertransmissions.com and I might feature your theory in a future episode. Well, that's all the time we've got for this episode of Weekly Trek. Thank you so much to my guest, Jen Tift, for joining me today. Jen, how can people contact you if they want to continue the conversation? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Ida Quarks and my podcast is Snaptrack. And you can find this show on Twitter at Weekly Trek and me at Alexander T. Perry. And if you enjoy the show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on your podcast player of choice. And please check out some of the other great shows on the Tricorder Transmissions. And if you like our shows, please also consider becoming a Patreon of Tricorder, which you can find at patreon.com slash the Tricorder Transmissions. And lastly, if you're looking for Star Trek news on the internet, I hope you will turn to trekcore.com. Well, thank you, Jen. Thank you to all of my listeners. And until next week, live long and prosper. <laughs>